lovely day it is outside and what a great day to remember, don't you think? And uh, to our New Zealand cousins, we have not forgotten you. We just can't work out the words of your song. I love your anthem more than the Aussie anthem, actually. God of nations at your feet. <laughs> I love an anthem that mentions God and a faith in God. No wonder it's a prosperous nation. Amen? Amen. So Lisa, that's for you. Um, have not forgotten that it's Anzac, Australia and New Zealand Army Corps. And um, so great to be able to share on Anzac Day. It's very rarely falls on a Sunday and right now our mountain service is holding a full Anzac service and with um, dignitaries and what have you up there, it's great. And I'm glad you all came and I'm glad you've joined us at home as well, those of you who are watching from home, it's great. I've been thinking, what do I share on Anzac Day of a sermon? What can I share? And there's many, many ways to think, but I can't help but think the difference times make. I remember many years ago, let's say I was about six years old, uh, I, I loved, I was fascinated by war. I was fascinated by the idea of mateship and battles and fighting. And I don't know whether it was the testosterone burring up inside of me, but I just had to get out and do something. So my cousins and I would put on ice cream containers on our heads. We would uh, rub mud on our face, pick up a big stick as a bazooka, tuck our jeans into our socks, because that's what soldiers did. And we would bear crawl our way through the backyard, which developed into a forest with the enemy waiting for us in there somewhere. And we would go into these amazing, very real imaginary battles with the lots of pew, 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 pow, 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 throwing rocks of grenades and what have you. And we lived out this whole battle. I'm not sure if you can relate to that, but it was a lot of fun. And it would always cease, the war would cease with the words, boys, it's dinner time. I remember once it ceased with, um, boys, I did see a brown snake go into that bush. That sort of ended the war real quick. Today, I, I still have a fascination about the wars that have been fought. And I, I do love to jump onto History Channel documentaries, but it's with a whole different perspective now of respect. And today I want to pay my respects to those that have fallen and have returned and are still strapping on the boots today. Thank you for your service. And um, it is remembered and will never be forgotten. And um, I have that reverence. In fact, just recently, I'm actually halfway through this book. It's called The Raff Black Cats. And it's a biography of the Squadron 20 um, through World War II, which mainly came out of Darwin and fought up in the northeast, or sorry, southeast of China, or southeast of Asia. And, um, but what's fascinating about this book is that my grandfather was a flight engineer, sergeant, flight sergeant, on, in that squadron. And it's a book which highlights their missions. And I had no idea of what he was involved in. Some of the crazy missions, and he, he was in the Catalina squadron, the Catalinas are the the, the aeroplanes that landed on water. And um, they would land in the harbour of the enemy and lay mines and then get out, out of there. <laughs> Crazy stuff. And just reading it, I actually had an understanding and it got drawn to my mind and my memory a lot more when I actually had a conversation with my uncle, Uncle Don, who's my grandfather's oldest son, my dad's oldest brother. 
And um, we had a long drive one day and we're chatting along and I said, what can you remember about grandfather in war? He said, all I know is he wasn't the same man when he came back from war. And condensing a very long conversation into a short one, he said, my mother turned to me when he returned and said, you look after him during the day and I'll handle him at night. War affects generations. It's a crazy thing. Now, I read an article just recently that Britain actually paid off its World War I debts, financial debts, in 2015. And Germany is yet to do so. Wow. They haven't paid off World War II yet. But that's nothing compared to the sociological and psychological uh, effect, debt, that has been placed on generations that has happened after it. I think about the fatherlessness that has ripped the world, really, since that wretched day, really, in 1914, where the world has been engaged in battle and we are still feeling the effects of those days through fatherlessness. And I think we're playing catch up on that. Generations are affected by war. I think about my grandfather, though, and just a lot of contemplations about Anzac Day He was a man who was broken in some ways. But I never saw that. I had a great time with my grandfather. I remember the days we would go out to Orange where he lived during my childhood and in the middle of June, he would grab me, come on Ricky, let's go outside and we'd stargaze in the middle of June in Orange. Like we're talking below Celsius watching the stars and I'd be there shivering and he says, can you see that? And sometimes I'd say, yes, just so we can go inside. <laughs> and, um, but he, he was excited about showing his grandson this stuff. He actually took a fascination in my artwork. I love art and I love drawing and I have a little bit of a skill in that. And um, he used to sit me down, he, used to, he bought a book about drawing so I could sit down and talk with him about it. And um, we, how to draw and how to do this and how to use the separate side of your brain to do art. And I still remember those days. He used to fix little watches. And um, I used to be fascinated on watching him do that. He took an interest in my art with, I actually made this little clay figurine of a man squatting. And because I didn't know how to make clothes, he was a naked man. And he loved it. He laughed. He had a big belly laugh. I ended up giving it to him. <laughs> and... Um, I remember a man who was awesome. He was such a great man, but yet he was broken. I remember the evenings back in the days before World Series cricket, where we would be sitting up really late at night when I'm meant to be in bed, but I'm visiting granddad, right? Grandfather, right? And um, we're watching the ABC cricket because it was being played in England at that time and um, falling asleep and he must've carried me to bed, I'm not sure. He was a good man, but he was broken. He, I look at his generations and he had six children, one of them was special needs. But it didn't seem to affect the family at all. Just went along life. We had a lot of laughs and a lot of tears, but just went along. His five children who went on to marry and, and um, their marriages lasted till death they do part. In fact, they're still strong today, those marriages. His marriage was strong until death he parted with his wife. 
He put something into their generations that had a positive effect, even though he was a broken man. Something took out of his soul, but yet it didn't, he didn't let it go through to the generations. And today I bear witness that I think I'm a better man because of William George Burrell. Thank you, grandfather. He was a good man. He died on his 92nd birthday. I think that's pretty cool, don't you think? And um, I have fond memories of him and I honour him here on on Anzac Day. I want to think about it today. Here we are in 2021 and it's... We're actually in very good shape in Australia when it comes to the crisis that is going around the globe right now. You have to spend too much time looking on TV to realise that we're in the crisis of our lifetime. There's plenty of people who are struggling right now. There's plenty of death happening in our world right now. Through COVID-19, we've had droughts, we've had floods, we've had fires. We've had terrible stuff happen. We're in a crisis. And it's easy in Australia right now to think we're okay because you know we're isolated and we're actually pretty good. But there is a crisis happening right now and it can affect your soul. And out of this could come a lot of brokenness. But it also could bring in a lot of positive energy or a positive influence into the generations if we like it. I thought of a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 where Israel's at a fork in the road in its journey, its destiny, and God says this to them, this day I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. He's given them a choice. You can go death, life, blessings or curses, brokenness or favour. What do you choose? And God gives you the answer, choose life. Choose it today so that you and your children may live. Wow. So on this Anzac Day, Sunday morning, my sermon today is entitled Strength for Generations to Come because I think I want to ask the same questions. What do you choose? We've gone through a year which has been a big stretch. Isolation is a terrible thing. I I think for Perth right now, stay strong, Perth. Stay strong. You'll be fine. You'll get through this. We've had hard times, financial concerns, businesses have changed. We've got a crisis, but what do we do? What do we choose right now? I think about my grandfather, somewhere he made a choice to make sure that strength went through the generations, not brokenness. What do we choose? Well, today I just wanna share some thoughts that I've had about how we can sow strength for generations to come. The first thing is this. I think you need to set your life with a generational perspective. So many people just think about here and now. You know, um, you ask someone, what what do you want to be doing in five or ten years? Oh, I don't even know what I want to do after lunch, you know. But I think to have a mindset that my life is actually going to affect more than just its span. That when I'm gone, effects are going to resonate. Yes, the Lord could come back one day and I'm looking forward to that day, but I'm living as if he's not physically. I'm living with this agenda that my life, I want to affect generations. I've found a way to live forever. 
Boy, he's like his old granddad, isn't he? Remember old Rick? He's like him, isn't he? We've got to have a mindset that my, my life actually affects the generations. I can actually choose life or death. I want to be like David, King David. Listen to this, Psalm 71. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed and fat, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is to come. David went through brokenness. David was a wounded man. Yes, he had lots of blessing, but boy, he had to fight a fight. Talk about war, talk about tragedy. Read his life. But yet he sat there and said, God, I'm thinking about the generations. My life just doesn't affect my generation. It affects all those that are up to come. I wanted to have your power in there. I want to declare your great works in my generation. We can contrast that with the story of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. You read that story and one day Hezekiah was feeling very unwell. And um, the Bible says he was sick with the disease that would kill him. Anyway, the Isaiah the prophet comes in and they get the prophet in rather than the doctor. I think that's amazing. And the Isaiah the prophet says, yep, ah, you're going to die. I'm sorry about that. Bye. I've got to go. Anyway, Hezekiah is so distraught that Isaiah could hear him crying from distance, comes back and, and the Lord says to Isaiah, tell Hezekiah, I'll give him 15 more years. So he goes back to Hezekiah and said, look, the Lord just spoke to me, mate, good news. You've got another 15 years, go for it. Well, he gets well. He's pretty happy about it. So excited that one day some Babylonians, the enemy, turns up. I like the way the message puts it, get, to give him a get well card, you know. And Hezekiah is so excited about his new 15 years that he says, hey, let me show you around. Thanks for coming around. I'm pretty happy about this too. He showed him everything. He showed him the treasury, showed him the armory, showed him the stables, showed him the whole kingdom, the enemy. Isaiah turns up and says, what are these guys doing here? Oh, just thought I'd show them around. They're just, we're making friends, you know. And I said, because you have done this, your generations are going to be held captive by the Babylonians, which does go on to happen. But the terrible response from Isaiah just makes me chill. Oh, that's okay. I'll be dead by then. He did something that affected the generations and he had no concern for it because just my life mattered. I think to have the mentality that you can get beyond your own life is huge and brings strength to generations. My life matters to others that aren't even born yet. Think about a relay race, the importance of passing on that baton. Getting that exchange happening right. You know what? You could run a world record split but it's worth nothing if you don't pass that baton correctly. No one remembers it. The relay race is not about your time. It's about the team's time. It's about the one who finishes the race and how well they do it. It's not about you. And I think we've got to have that mindset in our lives. It's not about me. It's what I can sow in so that the generations that follow me benefit. 
I've been so blessed in my life. But I've got to realise every second of my life, I must realise it's the generations that have gone before me that set it up. Am I privileged? Absolutely. But it's not for anything I've done, it's for them. It's what they have done. They have set it before me. I want to run this race well because I've got a, a generational mindset. And I think that's where we get strength into the generations. Understand that my life matters, not just for me, but for all those that are hard to come. So set your life with a generational perspective. The second thing I realise is this. You've got to be able to see the man in the boy or the woman in the girl. You've got to be able to see them. I was sitting down with my friend here, Blaine, a few weeks ago, just having a coffee at the back of, on the deck, chatting, he had his young son with him. And um, Liam, eight years old, he ran a race at Panther Park on Thursday night, the night that we smashed the, the nights. Sorry, mate, but you know. I remember looking at this young boy, impressive young man, let me tell you. And I realised something, there's a man in that boy. One day he'll have a really harsh voice and harsher cheeks. One day that little boy will be a man. Now I'm sure he's working through some stuff right now in his own life. Like, you know, how do he cope with you know, Vegemite sandwiches or how do he, he's got all these challenges in his life, you know. But that's just practice for real stuff that's going to come. As he develops into a man, he's going to come across massive big hurdles. I often look at my grandchildren and think the same. Can I see the woman in the girl? Because one day, that little girl's going to face a lot of challenges. Can I see it? Can I have enough vision to realise that what I place into them now will help them either build or not build that woman or that man? Can I see it? Jesus actually said this. He uh, says in, in Luke 18, Jesus called the children to him and said this, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I thought, why do you do that? Oh, the old King James Version, suffer the little children. And let's face it, when they're around, sometimes we suffer. We get mess everywhere and what have you. The disciples wanted to shoo the little kids away. Get them away, Jesus, get them away. We read about that, get them away. And Jesus said, no, 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 let them come. Because they actually hold the generations in them. They actually hold the decisions of the next generation in them. There's something great in them. Can we see it? Can you see it in these little ones? You know, um, at church, coughed a little bit of flack for this, that. We don't actually have a kids service every, every Sunday. Next week we do. One of the reasons why is because I'm looking at generations and thinking, what do they need most? They probably need to be with mum and dad in a church service worshipping God and seeing mum and dad do that. I remember sitting at the floor of church drawing and playing plasticine things before, um, before Play-Doh was a thing, plasticine. And um, I still remember some of the things I heard said from the pulpit. As a little four-year-old, five-year-old. I, 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 inside that little boy years ago at his parents' feet in church was a man that God wants to use. 
that God wanted to give opportunity to. And I'm so glad that there were people, several people who saw that in me. Can you see the man in the boy? Or do you just say, oh, that's a little silly boy. The Bible says that, you know, foolishness is in the heart of the child. It's true. Foolishness basically just means lack of wisdom. Lack of wisdom is in the heart of a child. Of course it is. But it says that persistent correction will drive it far from them. If you see the man in the boy who acts childish or acts wrong, it gives us an opportunity to bring correction. Maybe he's down on himself. We can actually let him know, no, mate, you have a great future. Maybe he's doubting himself. Could I achieve something great? I don't know. I don't think I can. Yes, you can. We can bring correction to that. Maybe he's just downright harmful, causing harm to others. Well, we can actually teach that young man how not to be harmful. Can you see it? Parents, it is so critical for us to be able to see the man and the boy. Can you see it? He's not just a little boy who's, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, 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 no. He's an inquisitive young man who one day wants to know where where is. Wants to know how to navigate that himself. We can teach them how to navigate that. You see, if we can see the man in the boy, the woman in the girl, it gives us that generation perspective of my life. It actually brings brings. Uh, a strength that brings something, we, a, a real reality to our thoughts that my life lives on after I do. Could I ask you, whenever you deal with a child in any way, could you plant something positive in them? A compliment, an encouragement, or even a correction if they're doing something wrong? Do it gently and build the man, build the woman. Help them to grow strong. When you've got the perspective of my life exists for the generations and then you can see them, then it sets you up for something even more amazing. Which leads me to my third point. Sow the seeds for the generational harvest. You know, the man who plants a tree is a man of vision. Or the woman. The woman who plants a garden of trees or an orchard might not see the benefits of that tree, but someone will. What you sow, the seeds you sow now, could affect several people. Have you ever climbed in a tree, climbed up the really big one, out on a branch where your mother gets, has a heart attack? Have you ever swung on a tree branch where the swings, someone planted that tree? They're probably not around anymore, but you're enjoying that tree being planted, why? They planted generational seeds. We get to sow seeds that last for generations. We get to do that if we're willing. You see, once we realise my life has a generational impact and then we begin to see in the generations around us (coughs) who they will be, you can't help but sow seeds. Sow seeds into them. What we were doing now can continue way after we're gone. And I want it to. Very interesting. The fourth commandment. Ten commandments, they're great things to live by. We're no longer judged by them because of Christ. But they're still great things to live by. Thou shalt not murder is a good thing not to, you know, not to do, right? 
or to do. The fourth commandment's very interesting. It says this, Deuteronomy 5.16, Honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I always read this and thought, yeah, we want to keep the children alive, right? So they live long, so respect your parents, so you live long, right? That's not quite what it means. Remember, this is not written to children. It's written to an entire nation of people. And the command was to all of the Israelites. I want you to teach your children to honour their parents. Why? Because dinner time is much better? Absolutely it is. That's not why. So that you as a nation would prosper. So that you as a nation would be long on this earth. So that you as a nation will have strong generations is what it's saying. So that you'll last long. When you teach a child to honour their parents, it affects everything. When you teach a child some principles like that, it affects everything around them. And if everyone was to do it, it develops a very strong generation and generations to come get stronger each generation rather than weaker. God knows what he was doing here. It brought honour. It brought a strength into Israel, which lasted for generations. Let's read on. First, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Moses talking to them. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, wow, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life that your days may be long. Hear therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may do well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Very cool. Not so keen on the milk, but the honey, yeah. Almost a prize award-winning honey, I'm sure. The point of this is grab hold of these commands. Why? To show them to the generations. Do these so your sons' sons see it. Do it before them. Let them see you honouring God. Let them see you practising his ways. Why? Because I need, God's saying, I need Israel to be strong. I want Israel to flourish. I want it to possess the land. The original thing that God wanted was for them to take possession of the land and make it flourish. Back in the Garden of Eden. That was the command, right? And he's setting it up again here. How did he choose to do it? Through the generations. By us sowing seeds. Parents, every time you honour God and your children see it, you're sowing a seed into their life about honouring God. Every time you pray a good night prayer, it changes something in their generations. I remember once um, running a youth group over in Penrith and had a bunch of young men in our team and one of them, uh, never really knew his dad at all. Um, lives with mum. 
And his mum's not a Christian. He wasn't brought up in a Christian home. He dropped around to visit us one day and I was just putting Solomon to bed. I said to him, we're playing you know, so if you want to learn how to cheat, come on around because my boys are really good at it. And um, he came around, I'm putting Solomon to bed and I said a goodnight prayer. His bedroom was right near where we were playing and, and it dawned on me. He would never have heard a goodnight prayer in his life. He just received a seed. He received a seed. He heard a daddy kissing his son goodnight and praying a prayer over him of protection and of destiny. Lord, that he'd grow to be a great man of God. He would never depart from your ways. He heard it. Now he has three young girls. I don't know, I'm not in touch with him anymore, but I'm wondering whether he's praying seeds over their lives. What we do, parent, is so important. Would you sow seeds? Would you sow seeds? Verse 6 to, 29, uh, 6 to 9 in Deuteronomy 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Reminds me once I caught an aeroplane heading to America, caught an aeroplane and a, a Jewish rabbi got on and I'm um, just sitting across the aisle from me and he pulls out these two little boxes with ribbons. He ties one onto the back of his hand and ties the other one on a headband. He's got these boxes sitting on there and there. And I realise this is what he's doing. He's, he's got these prayers in there and he's, all well, the commandments maybe and just put them. I don't think that's what God meant. When he says, tie them onto your hands, I think what he's saying is, make sure what God is doing in your life is done through your hands. You can see what God wants. You can see God's honour through your hands in what you do and on our minds, in our mindsets, in the way we think. I'm pretty sure that's what God means here. Let your children see the way you think, your mindset, let it be seen by them. Write it on your doorpost. In other words, have it at home. Every time you enter home, let it be so that you honour God. Honour God with you going out and you're coming in everywhere. He's saying if you do this, you're sowing seeds so that your generations will be strong. That's all he wants. He wants us to pass it through. We live in this generation which is so now orientated. Let me tell you, now is nowhere near as important as what's ahead of us. I enjoy my life. I think my life's awesome. But let me tell you, it won't ever, ever stop me from sowing into the generation. I think about this on Anzac Day. Lest we forget, and we will not forget. Right? Why? Because what they did was generational. Somewhere, my grandfather, I wish I could have had this conversation with him. He had this generational mindset. This broken man thought, I can't. Let that brokenness go through. So somehow, you know, <laughs> I, I, I always thought I was his favourite. In fact, I'm sure I was his favourite. He always spent time with me. He was always so glad to see me. Until the other day, a couple of years ago, I was talking to my cousins and they thought they were the favourite. <laughs> ah, shows the brilliance of the man. Every one of his grandkids were the favourite. Wow. But yet he was broken. He sowed 
seeds into the generations that are to come. I think it's such a godly thing to do. I think it's what God asks of his church. You know, one day Jesus will return. He will. And it's going to be an amazing day. I'd love it to be my lifetime. There's a lot of people I'd like to say, I told you so. <laughs> you maybe join. Um, I'd like to see Jesus in his glory here. It'd be great. But if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, I want to prepare a generation to see it. So if it happens in their lifetime, they're ready. My family starts with them and then it spreads. That's what it's about. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, Rick, I'm pretty broken. How do I do this? Well, I actually think that, um, first of all, we're all broken. We're all broken. Some of us are really good at hiding it, but we're all broken. And I think really the answer is Jesus himself. He's the one that you can always come to. He sent a spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who is ever present, available, and his nickname is Comforter. He's the one who comforts. And I think we've got to get really good at going to the Comforter, taking time out to meditate. That's why meditation is such a powerful thing in your life to meditate. Let the Holy Spirit come and just minister to you. When I say minister, bring healing to that hurt, that scar that you know is in there. Let him come and bring the balm of Gilead, the, the oil to come and just soothe that. And I think that's where you can actually cope with the brokenness, is allowing the Holy Spirit to do that. Jesus made this possible with his beautiful forgiveness. That's what he did. You know, we only celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. And you know what? It's so ironic that it's right at the time, almost as Anzac Day. Sometimes it's right close. Sacrifice enables us to actually live a greater gen generational life because that sacrifice brings healing. Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you can today. All you need to do is just ask him, to forgive you and ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and Saviour. That's where the peace is. That's where the joy is. That's where the healing is. If you're feeling confused right now about life, that's where confusion gets answered right there. If you're feeling locked in right now, the keys, he has the keys to that and you can release you from that. In fact, I'd love to pray for you right now if that's okay. Just have every head bow. Every eye closed, please. We're not, we may not be facing a combat right now, but we definitely are facing a crisis in our world. Jesus is the answer. Jesus, who is here right now through his spirit, is the answer. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Lord, if there be anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray right now they would just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. Lord, right across here, I pray you just bring healing into people's hearts. Holy Spirit, comforter, 
Would you come and just bring healing? Bring peace? Bring joy? Bring forgiveness into people's lives right now? Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Deuteronomy 30 again says this. This day I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I think our generations have a fantastic future in front of them. Let's set them up by understanding that our life is generational. We get to see maybe three or four generations existing at once, but the ones we can't see, wow, we still get to help them. Be able to see the man and the boy, the woman and the girl. Understand that their generation, what we can sow into them is huge. What we can do to lift them up. And then we actually start to sow the seeds into them and into others. I think it's powerful. Amen? Amen.